Welcome to Trapartisan Radio, brought to you by Trapar Books, Films and Editions. This very first episode will focus on one of our most recent books, a beautiful volume called It's Magic Monday Every Day of the Week. It's an anthology of short essays and other texts from the Patreon I have together with my wife, psychoanalyst and artist Vanessa Sinclair. In the Magic Monday section, we write in depth about our magical practice and what it means to us. So, this first episode of Trapartisan Radio is based on a conversation between me and Vanessa in which we talk about our work as presented in the magical ideas, thoughts, feelings and experiences that we share on the Patreon. If you'd like to read this conversation, it is as if by magic, also included in the Magic Monday book that we're going to talk about. And now, without further ado, let's get into it. What would you say is specifically magical about Magic Monday? Well, Mondays in general are magical because they're the first day of the week and the day that the roads open and the day of the moon. Um, so it's always been traditional in my practice anyway to, and in a lot of practices, to do magic on Mondays. So in that way, Monday's the perfect day for magic. It's a road opener. And for our specific Magic Monday, practice um it's great for that reason because it can give you different ideas and avenues and ways of practicing magic to start your week and and inspire new ideas and ways of thinking about things for the week yeah i agree uh one uh, extension of the concept in my mind uh, was always um it's magic monday every day of the week meaning that you ha- have this uh, Uh, proto-creative thing, a day associated with a new beginning, a new week, new endeavors, uh, etc. But it can, of course, be, be um, you know, spill over to the rest of the week also. Usually Mondays are, are um, associated with a kind of complaint for people who work in the normal work sphere. Oh my God, it's Monday again. Yeah, It's like something you say jokingly, yeah, it's Monday. Um, and I, I wanted to um, turn it around and say that, wow, it's finally Monday again. Finally, we can get down to some, some work, you know. And I think that um, as a concept, it's, it's um, very good. And it sounds good together too, Magic Monday. And then, of course, if we talk about the concept, um, this thing where we share our thoughts and experiences, of course, has nothing to do with a Monday per se, But we did discuss it that we wanted to have a special level uh, of interaction on our Patreon uh, for people who are uh, committed and who support our work. We want to give something back more than just like a news thing. And what better thing to uh, share than our magical process. 
Yeah, exactly. And for that, in that way, having it on the 23rd mind level was perfect. Um, 23 is, of course, a magical number. There are many different ways to think about the number 23, and I'm in the vein where I like to kind of leave it ambiguous and let everyone decide what 23 means for themselves rather than trying to explain it. But it's definitely a number that pops up a lot um, in magical circumstances and synchronicities, and that could be because people are looking for it, or it could be because there's something magical about 23. Who knows? Or it could be both. Um, but I think it's also good to have it, you know, I'm definitely like magic for the people. Everybody should have magic and practice magic in their lives. But also being a psychoanalyst, I am a little bit private, even if it might not seem that way so much. Um, and I do like having it be at a level where there's a little bit more engagement or more of a commitment than just like the $2 level, for example, or just sharing my magical practice online openly. Like I'm open about having a magical practice online, but I don't specifically talk about what I do. Um, and so I think having it at that level where it's accessible for those who really want it, um, but it's not just out there, you know to the public at large is is perfect for me as, as a cultural phenomenon uh, do you think that magic needs to be occult to be uh, powerful well I think of it the same similarly the same way I think about psychoanalysis and that's you know they they both go in and out of fashion um, but they're always since their inception, magic's obviously a lot older than psychoanalysis, but um, they're always kind of there under the surface either way, whether pop culture is grabbing onto them or not. And I think just because of their nature, I don't know if they'll ever be totally, um, totally integrated into mainstream. I mean, they're pretty integrated right now, but of course there's a lot of people you know who don't believe in either and i think it will always be that way and i think that's because they do have they both do have a subversive element and they're both working with kind of occult or unconscious processes and i think just by the nature of those processes they're always going to have to be a little bit under the surface because you know, people repress things for a reason. It's difficult for a lot of people to really look at things. They get overwhelmed. Um, and there there always will be people who are searching and looking under the surface for these uh, processes. But there's always going to be people who are pretty defended against them as well, I think. so. Yes, I've been, been uh, thinking about um, this you know, apparent dichotomy, which I'm not so sure longer that it is one, meaning that, you know, magic is part of occultism and, you know, vice versa, and that's uh, like an equation that has to be uh, forever. Um, I'm not so sure that it's like that anymore. Uh, part of that could have to do with this uh, general, you know, cultural uh, acceptance of magic and also of occultism in the in, like in a general cultural sphere uh, with its integration in in fiction and various um, manifestations of fiction meaning a greater cultural visibility which is not you know of course not the same thing as the thing in itself 
But of course, there's a lot of power and magical power in the occult, in keeping things secret, etc. And there can also be, you know, a vice versa scenario where you can do a lot of magic with, you know, uh, occult tools or traditionally occult things and, and techniques and stuff. But for me, in terms of Magic Monday specifically, uh, is uh, breaking away from not only the dichotomy, but also from um, occultism in itself. Because I think that uh, what we share is essentially not occultism. It's not that we bring hidden things up to the surface or into the light. It's simply that we focus on um, techniques, uh, cultures, certain traditions, uh, which are very usable. You don't need to go through the rigmarole of uh, or a regimen of structures and power dynamics and all these things. It's basically uh, looking at your own creativity uh, with new goggles from new perspectives and seeing what it can do for you specifically. So I don't see the magic that we uh, talk about mainly in Magic Monday is not the arcane occult um, magic and it's not the magic that has to do with these old uh, tired dusty power uh, structures it's basically uh, you could call it self-empowerment and self-empowerment you can absolutely do together with other people that's not the issue the issue is when it becomes a collective process because that immediately gets corrupted by power dynamics so that's something that we are trying to shine the light on that it's just a matter of doing things for yourself whether you do it together with other people you like and trust that's another matter but the magic is a transformative power and you can use many different techniques from many different cultures and forces that you can uh, totally see that are scientifically accepted or those who are uh, that are occult it really um it's high time, I think, to get rid of those unnecessary clouding uh, dichotomies that we have no need for them anymore. So Magic Monday is very much a way of saying uh, there is a lot of magic here. Uh, use what you like and use it to your, you know, for your pleasure, or to your benefit um, in any way you want. It is not necessarily occult. It does not necessarily have anything to do with occultism per se. It's just a bag of tricks and it's there to be used. And that's what I feel that we want to share um, and also attract by calling it Magic Monday. Yeah, I agree. And I, I totally agree that magic doesn't need to be uh, locked away in these towers and um, only given to people who have been initiated into specific uh, orders, having gone through specific rituals and different kind of levels of initiation. I mean, that's fine for people who kind of want or need that structure, but I think, just like psychoanalysis, the, those kinds of um, hierarchical institutions have really um, been detrimental to the, these practices, actually, and have actually you know, made them less accessible and less popular than they could be, um, which is a detriment to humanity at the end of the day. So I'm definitely for breaking down those kinds of structures and having um, psychoanalysis and magic be more accessible to more people because these are creative processes and there are things that you can do on your own or with one other person. 
Um, and yeah, when you get into groups, there's definitely power in groups. Um, and sometimes groups can really move mountains. But as soon as you enter into a group, you really have to be wary because there are always these human power dynamics that come into play in any kind of group that you get involved with. Um, and that a lot of times can kind of ruin uh, the purpose of what the group had in mind in the beginning. I think the the benefits of of the kind of visibility that we have through uh, various social media platforms that we work with is, of course, um, the function of being uh, little beacons in a way, and for the reason and purpose of uh, getting in touch with more people. In that sense, I think it works, and our little Patreon adventure has been a good example of that because. Um, you can have, you know, huge Twitter accounts, but no interaction, for instance. So it's just a statistical thing. It's a way of matching a high number against a low number. Uh, but in terms of Patreon, where people uh, commit to supporting uh, our endeavors and we commit to giving something valuable back to them, then, of course, the more visible we are, and we are by you know having segments, but also being active on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these things, um, we do get in touch with more people of substance. Um, and that, for me, is uh, a worthwhile thing. I have always been a networker, and I like to be in touch with people, especially people who sort of gets filtered through the initial morass of social uh, media-ism, uh, uh, and you can have really substantial things and perhaps even meet up in um, in real life. I mean, we've had that experience too, where we've been in a completely different part of the world and unknowingly, you know, just by <laughs> perhaps random factors or not, uh, we meet people who are our patrons, patrons and uh, that's a remarkable thing. And of course, you have a different kind of interaction also in communication by writing messages back and forth. And it's not just a static process where they are, uh, you know, anonymous in a way and we just provide them with fodder. It is an interaction. And I like that very, very much. So I think there are many benefits to visibility. And in a way, it's also in line with our philosophy that we just talked about. Uh, about not making things occult or hidden or too obfuscated or or hidden away. We are out there in the open sharing these ideas and thoughts and concepts freely. And one way of uh, making that worthwhile for us is, of course, you know, the the actual support that comes from from our patrons. But it's also the interaction of ideas, uh, the flow, the communication, basically. Yeah, and um, I definitely think that the best way to kind of inspire um, other people and inspire people to be authentic and to share their worldview and their voice is to do it yourself. And, you know, I feel like when you're authentic or when I'm authentic um, and speaking my mind more clearly and openly, um, and publicly, it inspires others to do the same, and vice versa. When I see people that I respect and trust uh, speaking up about certain topics, um, it makes me feel confident to do the same. So I think supporting each other that way and allowing more people to 
um, feel confident and comfortable using their voice and really speaking their mind um, is mutually beneficial and will be beneficial for society at large the more that we do that. So I think it's great to make those connections and the best way you know, to help others be more themselves is just to be more yourself. Um, and I think in doing that and sharing um, our perspectives, uh, we are doing that, and that's great. We've gotten that feedback. And then also, like, collaborating, like Carl said, um, making new connections. A lot of people that I've interviewed from my podcast I've met on social media. Um, it's been a great way to meet like-minded individuals and to, you know, gather new perspectives on different issues, including magic and psychoanalysis and art and politics, of course. And then, um, and making collaborations happen. Like one of the people that I met online, S. Alfonso Williams, uh, he's fantastic and is all over social media. And he's one of our patrons. And now we're working on a book project together. And, you know, I'm, I'm editing his writing and cutting it up and making collages with it. Um, and so making those new kind of collaborations um, brings more magic in the world. And the thing I learned from our first conference, the Psychoanalysis Art in a Cold Conference in London in 2016, was that, you know, I brought together all these people whose ideas I loved, including, you know, different psychoanalysts, Eve Watson, Ray O'Neill, Stephen Reisner, um, and then, you know, magical practitioners and artists like uh, Alkistis and Peter from Scarlet Imprint and Charlotte Rogers, um, just a multitude of people. And then they met each other and became friends, like, for example, Katie Bohins, the poet, um, then ended up publishing her poetry on Scarlet Imprint. So these new connections are made and these new kind of creative projects happen and it just ends up um, having more, that just ends up being more um, fodder in the world and more books in the world and art that I love because different people that I enjoy and respect are coming together and making new work together. So in that way, it's been really great for me and the podcast is doing the same thing. Um, different people are meeting and same with our Patreon. You know, we're bringing together different people that we like that may or may not have known each other before and then they become closer and they just make more work that we like. So, um, yeah, it's just making more of what we enjoy uh, exist in the world, which is fabulous. Totally. Uh, why are we so all immersive on a creative level? Um, well, for me, I think, you know, we're just living it. We're living it. We're just, this is not like a theory for us. This is not something we're like just teaching, you know, theoretically and reading about other people doing. It's things that we're doing. And I understand these practices, the magical practices, the artistic practices and psychoanalysis all from doing it myself. Um, I think that's the best way to understand anything. Do it yourself and see how it, it affects your life and then, you know, speak from that vantage point. Um, so reading about something, I've never been somebody who enjoys like memorizing things, memorizing dates and people and ideas. I really have to understand concepts and the best way for me to understand is to really practice them and see them at play in my own life. So um, it's just really, we're really practicing what we preach and pre preaching it because we've seen how the practice affects our life. You know, for me, um, 
psychoanalysis and cut-ups have completely changed my life around. Um, definitely for the better. So I recommend them. <laughs> yeah. And I think also one of the key things that um, many of these speculations revolve around is the concept of intuition. You know, uh, I find myself talking a lot about intuition in interviews and conversations and lectures and how important it is to, to, to stress and value the intu intuition you have. And you can hone it, you can train it, become more perceptive and sensitive. Um, and it is a good thing to have intuition as a, a key player in your life and in your movement. So that said, I think one of the reasons uh, why we are so all immersive in our creative output and, and creativity in general is you know, what you said. But also this thing is that one thing immediately leads to another. It's like one curious little door uh, opens up by itself when we're working on in the room. And then the, a door opens up and you go into another room and then you find that, wow, this is all part of the same house, but it is essentially another room. And I think that one of the best examples of this is a process that we we're working with and we have worked with several times. It's like when you have a text and uh, you cut it up and then uh, it's recorded by you and then I put it to music and then we make a film with it and from the film blooms an exhibition of still images etc etc it is all immersive in that kind of creative technical way but it also it's also all immersive in the sense that that body of work then leads to a different uh, same but different kind of work with that different thematic different aesthetic but it's the same kind of process where no stone is unturned we pick them up and look what's underneath and if it's usable somehow in what we're you know interested in at the moment then we will use everything that we have and for me also it's the same thing with the uh, publishing endeavor is that um, we can publish basically anything we want um, and we're so focused on the details you know one book at a time but when you take a step back or the bird's eye view and look at it there is a red thread between these very very different things it could be you know scholarly works or um, esoteric speculations or it could be poetry or it could be interviews with other artists or just you know, plain photography, but there is something that ties all of it together, and that's you know curiosity. Uh, but I would say it's it's giving into it, intuition its due. You know, paying our dues to intuition and the beautiful uh, things that come if you trust that process rather than mentally straining yourself and pushing pushing forward some kind of concept that has to be aesthetically perfect that's not really how i see uh, our work i see it as a very uh, free-flowing adventure or exploration of what's possible and uh, i have never uh, come across something in retrospect that i haven't liked you know, of course, you love your own babies in a way, uh, but it always becomes interesting. And that, I think, is a result of being uh, so uh, creatively all immersive. Yeah, I think that example you gave really encapsulates 
the work or highlights how it works. It's like we're reading a book, reading a text or writing a text. And then we cut up what we are reading or writing. And then that becomes something new that I then read and record out loud. And now it's poem. And now it's spoken word. And then you set that to music. Now it's a song. Then the song becomes an album. Um, then the album becomes a film. And then you take stills from that film and print them out. And then I collage on top of that. And now that becomes a different work of art. And then that gets hung in a gallery with, say, a film and music playing over it and becomes an all immersive kind of experience, sensory experience and then people come and view that and talk to us and then we have a new network and then those people might get invited to one of our conferences and then they meet other people that we've worked with that have experienced the work in the same way or we've met in other ways and then the conferences get collected into a book and then while we're editing that book I keep the, the kind of first drafts of those papers and I cut them up and I put them in the cut-up box and they become poems and it just continues. You could look at it as, as um, the process as incredibly creative compost in a way in the sense because you know it's um, you, you eat and you get you know um, nurtured by it, sustained by it, and then it's processed, digested, and it comes out again, but it's not tossed away. Everything is used in compost to make new fertile soil for new plants and new ideas and seed. Um, what, why is the cut-up method so central to us? What are it, Which are its benefits? Well, I think... As I talk about, actually I think that's how I ended the book, Scansion and Psychoanalysis and Art, is basically just showing, the, you know, the cut-up, it works so well because it mirrors or is reflective of the way that we are subjects in the world and the way our subjectivity exists. You know, we're divided subjects, we're not conscious of all of ourselves uh, ever, not, I was going to say all the time, but we're never conscious of all of ourselves. Um, there's always part of us that's kind of in the dark. And, um, I think the cut up is reflective of that kind of state of being and how we work, you know, as humans, always integrating new material, always kind of shuffling it around, cutting it up, rearranging it. Um, and this process is always going on in our kind of unconscious mind all the time where we like are making new connections and, and making metaphors and seeing how things, you know, can kind of fit on top of one another and also dividing things up and splitting things and putting things into like basic parts, breaking things down into basic parts and elements. We're constantly like creating and destroying all the time in that way, deconstructing and then reconstructing. Uh, and we do that through our lives with our identity, with the world around us, with our memories, constantly like making new sense out of things that we remember um, and new ways of understanding all the time. So I think it's just a really kind of concrete, tangible way of um, understanding the process that's going on within us all of the time. And, and, it, and it works really well and it's magical. It's absolutely magical. Mm. I agree, and I would also like to to, to uh, tie it in with the concept that we just talked about too, intuition. I think it's uh, uh, working with the cut-up, uh, I don't know, technique or the cut-up uh, process uh, is something that favors a development or a um, 
making your intuition more sensitive and more aware of its own uh, power in a way. Because I believe that um, uh, and there's energy from each transcendence. You could call it psychic energy or you know any other kind of energy. But it's usable, useful energy that comes from uh, various kinds of uh, transcendences. Uh, you can have transcendental meditation, you could have transcendence in shock, you could have transcendence in trauma or in positive speculation. Uh, but when you are jolting or dissociating um, an expected uh, narrative by, for instance, the classical thing of cutting up a piece of writing and then reassembling it, that is an immediate transcendence. And that transcendence is um, filled with energy that can be used beneficially and magically. Um, and I think it has to do with <coughs> simply uh, disrupting the, the narrative, something that you have written about at great length. Uh, we are constantly... Uh, or I should say, our brains and our minds are constantly uh, seeking um, meaning, some kind of coherent meaning and logical order. And when that's disrupted, uh, it becomes a bit of a, a chaos, basically. And then you have to find your way back to finding a possible new meaning. Uh, and in this transcendence, there is a, a real... Uh, realization and there's also a meta realization because you can have epiphanies and realize whoa that's what this is about or but you can also realize that the process is um, epiphanizing it it allows for epiphanies so i think that for us to use uh, the method if you want to call it a method uh, in various media um, has been incredibly uh, beneficial to us in our process and it's it feels often like it's a constant process of transcendence in the best possible way almost i don't know uh, mystical is a complicated word but but uh, and also spiritual but for me it has these sort of higher levels of uh, understanding because that's what it allows for when you work with the familiar and you make it unfamiliar or uncanny or unwhatever and you then re reassemble it the new logic that appears will be revealing and that you know of course there are parallels to spiritual experiences and and um, mystical experiences but we can work with that and we do uh, on a daily basis in different kinds of, of media and it's highly highly fascinating and we, I don't think we can stress enough <laughs> the the recommendation uh, that people should try to work with cut-ups uh, and see what um, comes out of it because our experience is that it's very very and not just inspiring and funny and punny, uh, but really revealing uh, of, um, I would say, fairly, you know, vital, essential things in life. Yeah, and just like psychoanalysis is a process that facilitates those aha moments, having those aha moments. So, so does the cut-up method. Um, it's exactly what it does. It's a way of facilitating that process where you have those aha moments by breaking down narratives and breaking down the structure of sentences, for example. And th then there's all these, these gaps when you reassemble it. They're not, they're not written cohesively. And then your mind has to like make sense of those gaps. And in that process of your mind, like making sense of things, you, you know, come up with all these new 
ideas. Um, yeah, and it's just very powerful. Hmm. What one uh... and accessible? It's something anybody can do. That's that's another great point for the Magic Monday. It's not something you have to be initiated into. It's not something you have to know how to do. It's not you don't have to be a writer or have your own writing to cut up. You could just grab anything around you, any book or magazine or newspaper, anything you find, and just start doing it. Mm-hmm. I think also one one way of. Uh... Uh, getting started in a very simple way because you know if you want to apply it to to music and film and stuff that that requires that you have you know some kind of software or or interest in that uh, medium but in terms of of textual stuff it doesn't always have to be um, a structured chaos in a way I think that's what you've shown so beautifully uh, not only in the um, Magic Monday process or series but also in your work uh, over these past years uh, like with you know pathways of the heart and also you know the mega golem book um, switching mirrors is that it's also collage work so it's not just textual in the sense that you know you have these you know meticulously cut out strips of pure text they are also immersive immersed into uh, layers of pictures so you have that kind of meaning too and i think for people who want to start start by making a collage that can be more enticing to begin with i think and then weave in words and see how the images and the words interact also it's a good cheap fun revealing uh pastime <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i love it one one thing that's also been quite present during this first year of Magic Monday posts on uh, Patreon is ancestors and ancestor worship, as it's usually called. Um, why is that important to you? Um, well, I think ancestor connecting with ancestors and ancestor veneration is key for everyone as individuals um, and then also collectively for society because I think a lot of people um, have been uprooted or, um, you know, taken away from their history, especially in, in the United States where I'm from. And so I think that connecting to our roots, whatever our roots may be, on an individual level will help us heal collectively as a society um, and as a global community. And it's something that magical practitioners have pretty much always done. It's something that humans uh, in all societies and cultures, um, except for very recently, have pretty much always done. So we need to get back to that practice. Um, and it's also something that's accessible that anyone can do. And um, everybody has ancestors. And even if, like... Um, my friend Gary, who's from El Salvador, like he he doesn't have any access to, um, you know, maybe his family tree because of war and civil war, um, but he has a very kind of visceral connection to his ancestors and talks about that, um, and just connecting with them, you know, um, in his own way and not needing to know like cognitively, you know, where he comes from. You, you can, you can connect to your ancestors without having that kind of written record. Um, and setting up a basic altar with a candle and water, 
um, it's very powerful and it's just learning to trust trust your intuition again trust your experience and what you're sensing when you do have those kinds of communications with your ancestors um, and trusting yourself and that's a that's a real disservice that you know like medicine in, in the United States and other places um, has done for people is a real disservice you know making people think that they're crazy or pathological for talking to their deceased grandparents or um, things like that because uh, of course you should have access to uh, your deceased loved ones and of course you should have access to your own heritage and ancestry and I think the practice of pathologizing those practices um, has really been a disservice to humanity and has made people not trust their intuition, not trust their personal experiences and think that their own personal experiences are actually pathological when in fact they're not. They're completely natural and part of, you know, human experience for all of, for hundreds of thousands of years. <laughs> so, Yeah, and I think also uh, it's such an interesting phenomenon and it seems to be, um, more predominant now than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, the awareness of, of uh, ancestors. And I think that uh, me, I grew up in a kind of a magical uh, community or education where you looked at yourself and was encouraged to do that as a kind of isolated unit, you know. It's all about the will and Schopenhauer and Nietzsche and Crowley and you know these things and you're you're a unit and you have your will and you want to sort of impose your will on the outside universe. Uh, but I think that it can only go so far because with magical you know prowess or success, there it will always be this influx of. Um, holistic thought you come to the realization that whatever you're doing you're not isolated you are completely in touch with uh, the entire universe and you know that said that means that you can't impose indefinitely you have to also be part of it give something back etc etc and that also ties in with you know where we are now in our physical bodies today uh, we all come from somewhere and i'm not saying that one has to like swallow the ideas of theories of reincarnation and things like that but there's no denying that we are who we are based on our you know real physical ancestors our dna and our entire genetic makeup is a result of other people's work <laughs> and transmitting the you know earlier gene pool uh, residue onwards so in that sense it's a very concrete thing we should be grateful for what we uh, are and grateful for all of those i don't know hundreds and thousands of people generations who brought us to this very moment but then of course you know so that's one thing our actual physical ancestors they are worthy of respect and they shall have it but there's also a thing that we've been uh, talking about during this year it's also this thing with uh, adopted ancestors meaning that if we accept the theory a very magical theory of this kind of um, 
ultra-holistic worldview in a way. We can also pick and choose, just like we can pick and choose to eat a berry or a fruit or a piece of meat, whatever. We can integrate all these people that we have been inspired by, artists, writers, filmmakers, musicians, from you know time immemorial to up until present day. They are all our ancestors if we uh, just decide to, to look at them. Um, from that perspective you know inspiration is key here and the key word is also veneration you are aware that you're getting inspiration from one particular source then you pay back you pay homage uh, in your own way or a traditional way is fine too to that source whatever it is so you have these two um for me, two main things. One is the actual physical lineage, heritage, and the other is not so physical, but it's equally valid, equally uh, magically potent, because it fills you with the same kind of inspiration. And inspiration is key, it's invaluable, it's the fuel, it's the fodder, it's um, the quintessence, whatever makes us creative. We have to have that uh, spark of inspiration and uh, we should be uh, well aware that we need to pay our respect pay our dues to those who have gone before us yeah and you really see that in artists you know just in general artists always have artists that have influenced them and often pay respect to them in their work and that, that would be an example of an adopted ancestor, whether or not the artist is thinking of them in that way. Yes. Um, we are doing a lot of things. We're, we're creating on many different platforms. We have you know, the 23rd Mind TV. You have the Rendering Unconscious podcast. I have uh, Radio Mega Golem and all the, you know, the publishing things. And all of it's also cross-referencing each other and cooperations and collaborations with others. How does Magic Monday specifically and perhaps our Patreon adventure stand out? Why should people be interested in that when they already have, in a way, all of the other stuff? I think they should be interested in that because it has grown to become our most intimate uh, way uh, or platform of communicating with those we know really care about what we do. Social media in general uh, can be sometimes one-sided or um, ephemeral in a way. That's just the nature of the technology and the behavior that's associated with the technology. Uh, we uh, like that and we use that, uh, but uh, inside our Patreon, there's much more going on in terms of uh, personal messages, uh, personal photographs, uh, more information about our process as such. Like, for instance, Magic Monday. That's a good example. Um, where we also encourage a direct feedback or communication. Uh, much more than, say, for instance, Twitter, which is great for spreading information. But our Patreon in general, and our Magic Monday and specifically, it's all about a deeper kind of communication. Uh, and we welcome people to, to join us there 
and it's not mainly for the fact that they pay this amount every month but it's for it's a kind of a gateway we know that these people who are committed are worth our own commitment back so we create something together with them with our patrons and uh, that is a very very magical thing and it's a wonderful environment and uh, magic monday will just continue to be like the crown jewel in a way in our patreon uh, environment and it will you know just keep on uh, blooming and keep on um, revealing interesting things and not only from us uh, but also uh, hopefully for us and we create this kind of creative feedback loop that we love and that we strive for in everything that we do basically yeah and it's been really um a nice experience going through all the magic monday posts for the past year and kind of seeing how one led into the next and going through a review of the year in that way especially this year was such an intense year that magic monday started in what april of uh, 2020 and so it's gone on till now it's april 2021 so a lot happened in that year and seeing all of the kind of highs and lows and how we were processing it as it went along was really powerful it's been really nice to um, have this review and this overview um, and I agree is uh, social media is great for you know um, promoting things and events and books and um, getting ideas out there but you know you never know I, I never know who's actually seeing the posts and if they're reaching the people I want them to reach and who it might be reaching that I don't know um, you know, that I might not want to be sharing my personal information with. So I keep social media in general really about the books and the music and just different works in that way, you know, keep it kind of work oriented. I don't share a lot about my personal thoughts on there only once in a while. And I do much more personal processing and uh, talking on the Patreon where I know who everybody is that's there. I know who's going to be seeing it and reading it. And it just makes me feel much more comfortable and safe in that way in, in sharing and in opening up more. And then the Magic Monday level is like an even further level of that where I know exactly who is there reading it and everybody's very active and engaging with us and, and giving us feedback. Um, so it's a really nice place to talk and process and get that feedback really directly from people who understand and pay attention to and enjoy our work um, rather than just sharing our work you know broadly and getting feedback from wh whoever feels like either hyping or you know yelling that day um so yeah i really liked it for that and also it's nice to be able to share the process you know not just share the final product of a book or the final product of a song but to share the process so you can hear you know you can see the cut up and then how it becomes a spoken word piece and then how it becomes a song later and then how that becomes a film um, you can just see all the different steps whereas usually on uh, the internet at large you just see the final kind of result of all of that and maybe d don't know the process especially like this year with 
the Pathways of the Heart book and the Pathways of the Heart album, for me, those were very personal processes that had to do with um, the death of a good friend of mine and, and a lot of other people as well. And so um, it was nice to be able to, to share that process with this kind of small group of people, select group of people, and then see the, the final outcome um, at the end. You have listened to a conversation between me, Carl Abrahamson, and psychoanalyst and artist Vanessa Sinclair in this first episode of Trepartisan Radio. For more information about all our books, films, and editions, please visit www.trapar.net. That's T-R-A-P-A-R-T. Trapar.net. You can also sign up for our newsletter at the site. I recommend that you do that so you get all the news immediately. Please also visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Vanessa23Carl. That's patreon.com slash Vanessa23Carl. You should also check out Vanessa's podcast, Rendering Unconscious, at www.renderingunconscious.org. Renderingunconscious.org. Thank you very much for listening. Until the next time, bye-bye.